to you today and to be able to bring in this new year uh, by worshiping God together. I can't think of a better way to do it. It's exciting uh, as we stand here on the precipice of this new year ahead. And I think it's especially so because no matter how 2022 went for you, uh, whether it was a tough year for you or whether it was a really great year for you or maybe more likely kind of some of both, um, you have the opportunity as we, as we stand here on January 1st of 2023, you have the opportunity to set the trajectory for this coming year so that it ends up being your best year yet. I really believe that that's possible for you and it's possible for me. And, and as we think about what that would look like to, to make this the best year yet of your life, you know, this probably... A lot of different things that you might think of or might be hoping for to happen in 2023. You might be hoping to, to finish school strong. Uh, you might be hoping to get a, a better job or take a next step in your career. Uh, you might be hoping to get married this year. You might be hoping to meet somebody that you might eventually marry. Uh, you might be wanting to start a family uh, or add to your family. You might be wanting to get in shape. Uh, you might be wanting to retire this year. There's so many different things you might be hoping for this year. But let me ask you this. How is your spiritual fire? How on fire for God are you right here, right now, on January 1st, and how on fire for God do you plan to be this year? What are, you, what are you thinking? And I'm asking you that question because there is nothing that is more important to the success of your life than your relationship with God. Nothing. And so this is why it's so important. And so I want to ask you again, where does God stand in your plans for 2023? Where is Jesus on your list of priorities? In Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, the apostle Paul said this. He said, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Now, I just want you to let that soak in for a minute. Never be lacking in zeal, he says. What is zeal, by the way? Well, the dictionary defines zeal this way. It describes it as having great energy or enthusiasm in pursuit of a cause or an objective. Now, the cause is the kingdom of God, and the objective is to know God and to love God and to serve God and to help others come to know and see who he is. So let me ask you, where is your energy level? when it comes to those things? What kind of, of you know, grade would you give yourself in terms of zeal and fervor when it comes to your relationship with God? If you were just kind of to, maybe to put it on a scale of one to five right here, right now, and, and one being, uh, it's stone cold. My relationship with God is just stone cold. And five being, man, I am on fire for God. Where would you put yourself on that scale of one to five? How much enthusiasm do you have for your relationship with Jesus? And, and how much enthusiasm do you plan to have come December 31st 
of this new year because it's only 364 days away. I'll tell you where I want to be. And I'll tell you where Jesus wants you and me to be. He wants us to be on fire. Amen? He wants us to be on fire. And that's what I'm calling this new series as we start uh, January here. And, and Romans chapter 12, verse 11, that verse I just quoted you, that's going to be like our theme verse for this series. And, and when, you, when you think about what Paul wrote there about never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. You know, some synonyms that come to mind when you think of that word zeal uh, are, are words like passion, fervor, fire. In fact, uh, the message translation of that verse puts it this way, don't burn out. Keep yourselves fueled and what? And it's not on there. There it is. It's down at the bottom. Keep yourselves fueled and on fire. There you go. Um, so keep yourselves fueled and aflame is actually what the message says. Um, so is that how you would describe yourself right now? Would you describe yourself as being on fire for God? And, and let me just say from the outset that this has nothing to do with your personality type. Okay, because we got all kinds of different personalities in this room. We have all kinds of different personalities in the world. And, and, and so when Paul writes this, he, it's, it's, this isn't about a personality type. And neither is this a, um, like some special gifting that, you know, certain people get and others don't get. No, because this is actually a command of God. And it's a command of God to every single believer. And God never commands us to do what we cannot do, right? So you can be on fire for God. And if you know God, if you believe in God and you understand who God is and what God has done for you and what he's going to do for you, then you should be on fire for God, really. And my assumption is you want to be. I really believe that. But, but being on fire for God, it's not something that comes passively. It's not going to come accidentally. It's something that is going to require something of us. And that's what I want to talk with you about this month. And especially today, I want to talk about what it will require of us to, to be on fire for God. And in the rest of this month, each of the Sundays that follow, we're going to be looking at how that looks and, and what that, what that, how it plays out practically in, in the main arenas of our lives. So what does it look like to be on fire for God at home? What does it look like to be on fire for God at work? What does it look like? And by the way, those of you who are students, that's your work. You know, so what does it look like to be on fire for God at school? What does it look like to be on fire for God um, in the church? What does it look like to be on fire for God in the community in which we live? So we're going to be looking at all those, those arenas this month and, and really fleshing this out. And, and by the way, did you know that Scripture actually describes God himself as a fire? Many places we see God and fire, you know, coming together in, in this metaphor of, of, of fire being applied to him. One of those places would be Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, that says, our God is a what? A consuming fire. 
He's not only a fire, he's a consuming fire. He's a, he's a fire. You know, we're not talking about a little flame. And, and so that means if you get close to God, that he is going to ignite a fire. The closer you get to him, he's going to ignite a fire in you, in your heart, in your life for him. And, and again, this is not just about emotion, although emotion can be included in this idea of being on fire for God, but it's not just about emotion. It's about commitment. It's about determination. It's about being all in on your relationship with him. And honestly, really, that's the only kind of relationship that is satisfying, it's the only kind of relationship that's truly impactful. It's the only kind of relationship that's, that's not going to just, you know, really just at the end of the day, not amount to anything. And in fact, when Jesus, when he spoke about the last days, when he spoke about the end times, Jesus warned this in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12. He said, because of the increase in wickedness, the love of most will what? Now, the love of most will grow cold. Now, let me just ask you, are you seeing that happen right now? Are, are you seeing like in general, as we kind of just kind of live here in the context of the American culture, I know there's a lot of different cultures all blended together, but, but as you, you know, you're here as you're a member of the United States, a citizen of the United States, even a citizen of the world, you know, doesn't that feel like the love of many for, for God is growing cold right now? Let me ask you this more personal question, though. What about your own love for the Lord? Do you feel your own love for the Lord growing cold? Because if you do that, that's something you really need to pay attention to. Lukewarm religion, guys, let me just, please hear me. Lukewarm religion is pretty much worthless and unsatisfying, and it's even frustrating when you're lukewarm in your faith, you're going to be frustrated in your faith because you know you should be more. So if you want to really enjoy your relationship with God, then you want to be on fire for him. And I tell you what, if anyone that I can think of in scripture could be like the poster child of being on fire for God, it would be the Apostle Paul. And I, I would like to kind of take you through a thought-provoking moment in his life that Luke records for us in Acts chapter 28. So if you have a Bible, open it up to Acts chapter 28. If you have a phone app for your Bible, go ahead and click there to Acts 28, because we're going to be looking at this little snippet from Paul's life. Now, in the previous chapters of Acts, we found, we found that Paul had been imprisoned wrongfully for being on fire for, for Jesus. That was really the reason he ends up in prison, because he just can't quit talking about Jesus when people want him to shut up. And so he ends up in prison, appeals to Caesar. And so he is en route to Rome, where he's going to stand on trial before Caesar, the emperor. And he is going to give the, have the opportunity to testify to Jesus Christ being the son of God. And so he's actually looking forward to this appointment, but he is en route there by ship. And he is under the custody of a centurion, a Roman centurion, and a squad of soldiers. And he also has Luke, who's writing the book of Acts, and some of his other companions along with him on this journey. 
And the ship sails into this violent storm and ends up being driven off course by the storm that lasts for 14 days and eventually shipwrecks them on the rocks surrounding a small island in the middle of the sea. And so that's where we pick up the story. They all managed to make it to the shore. And verse 1 says, once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and they welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. And as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. When the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess of justice has not allowed him to live. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. Now, this might seem to you like a minor side note in Luke's account here uh, in the book of Acts, but I, I don't believe that anything is in scripture by accident. And there is something that we can learn from what happened here in this occasion to Paul. So Paul and company, they've clearly been through a very harrowing experience, haven't they? I mean, can you even imagine, can you even try to put yourself in their shoes? Imagine being, having been at sea for two solid weeks in the middle of a hurricane, not in a cruise ship, which would be bad enough, but in a small wooden ship that probably holds about 150 people and doesn't even have an engine on it. It's just purely, you know, a wind-driven vessel, and you're in the middle of this for two weeks, and then the, the ship gets broken apart against these rocks, and you have to grab a hold of some piece of driftwood and manage to get to shore where you're coughing and gasping for air as the rain and the wind continue to beat down on you. So that's the picture here. And so I can, I can you know, as you, as you look at what happens here, it's really interesting how the first thing that happens when they get to the shore is that the natives, what do they do? They built a fire. Yeah, they welcomed them and built a fire to help them get warm because they were all soaking wet. And, and Paul starts roaming around collecting sticks to add to the fire to make it bigger and to keep it burning. But I don't know about you, but I can think of at least four reasons why Paul probably didn't feel much like building a fire at this particular moment. I mean, first of all, he was probably exhausted, you know? I mean, really, he had to be exhausted. He had just narrowly escaped drowning in a shipwreck and, and had to swim to a, rocking, a, a rocky shore in the middle of this hurricane. Second uh, reason I can think of that he might not have felt like building a fire at the moment was that it was raining. <laughs> not particularly a good time to build a fire, right? If you've ever been camping with your family and it rained on you, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, third... What about the ship? 
What about the ship and all the contents? I mean, again, this was their only mode of transportation. And, and, and Paul's purpose was to get to Rome where he was going to get to testify about Jesus in front of the Roman emperor. And, and now the ship has been destroyed and he's got to be distraught about that and wondering what in the world are they going to do about the, the ship that is no longer there to carry them to do what he's supposed to do. So you, you certainly wouldn't blame Paul for being fixated on that, fixated on the ship and what in the world they were going to do about transportation and, and being more focused on that than building a fire. And then a fourth reason I can think of is that he could have been pretty dejected. Honestly, he could have been pretty down and dejected about the fact that bad things kept happening to him. I mean, after all, again, Paul was living his life on fire for God, if anybody was. And yet, one bad thing after another kept happening to him. It was like all that his, his service to God, all of his passion for Jesus, it just kept getting him in trouble. And so he really honestly could have just been too angry or too depressed to even care about building a fire. So here is a principle I think that we can draw out of this for our own lives. Principle number one, to build a spiritual fire, you must overcome your excuses. Right? To build a spiritual fire in your life, in your heart, you're going to have to overcome your excuses. See, the only difference, guys, between a believer who is on fire for Jesus and a believer who is not is that the one who has built that passion and that fire in their heart for the Lord didn't give in to all the opportunities they had to make excuses not to. That's the only difference. And, and there are so many excuses that we could come up with to not focus on building our fire for God. I mean, we could easily say, I'm too tired. You know, I'm, I'm just too tired. I got too much stuff going on. I got too many other responsibilities. I just don't have time or the energy, honestly, don't have the energy to spend seeking hard after God. Or we could point to the rain, right? We could point to the rain in our own lives. Because I tell you what, as soon as you start to try to build a fire for the Lord in your life, Satan is going to send the rain. You can just bet on it. He's going to send the rain because he wants to put the fire out. And the rain comes in a lot of different forms. Maybe you lose your job. Maybe your marriage is really on the rocks and struggling, just hanging by a thread. Maybe, maybe you've hit hard times financially. Maybe you lose somebody very close to you in your life. Maybe you get sick. Maybe a, a dream that you've been pursuing just kind of fizzles out. There's so many ways that the rain comes. And, and when it comes, you can get down and you can get discouraged and you can let it put your fire out. You can say, you know, I just don't have the emotional energy. You know, forget the physical energy. I don't even have the emotional energy to be on fire for the Lord. I mean, maybe, maybe when things get better for me, you know, maybe when God starts answering my prayers again, then maybe I could get excited about him. Or, you know, some of us choose to, to fixate on the ship that we're depending on, you know, 
whatever that thing is that we're depending on to be our passage to wherever we want to be in life, wherever we want to go in life, that's our ship. And a lot of times we get focused on that ship. And that might be, you know, hey, I, I've got a career to build. Like, I, that's what I'm focused on right now. I've got a career to build. And all of my energy, all of my focus is on that. Maybe, maybe it's I've got a degree that I'm trying to earn, and, and that's where all of my focus is. I've got to give all of my attention to school and homework and papers and tests and projects because I've got to get this degree, and that's where my focus is. This is my ship, and I'm focused on that. Or, or, or it might be, you know, I've got kids to raise, you know, and I, I just, man, that's where my focus is right now. I just, I can't think too much about God right now. I got, I've got kids to raise and they take a lot of time and a lot of energy. Believe me, we've got our two-year-old grandson with us for two weeks. Uh, and believe me, I'm being reminded of just how much energy and time it takes when you've got kids. So I'm, I'm sympathetic to that. Uh, you, you might be thinking, you know, I, I've got retirement plan. Man, retirement's coming right up. I just got a few more years before I'm, I'm checking out of the workforce and I've got to make sure I got all my ducks in a row and I've got to focus on that. I've got to be laser focused on getting ready for retirement or, or I'm not going to be ready for it. And, and so, you know, I just don't have time. I don't have energy. I don't have focus for God. I've got to put my focus here. God's going to have to wait. Or we might even decide that being on fire for God just isn't worth it. Maybe it's just not even worth it at all. Maybe, maybe being on fire for God, is, it just makes life more complicated. Maybe, maybe it actually makes it harder for you to fit in to the peer group that you want to fit in because you're a Christian or because you want to be on fire for God. So maybe you, know, maybe you know people, maybe you know someone who's just kind of living life on their own terms and things seem to be going better for them than for you. And so you're thinking, maybe it's not even worth it, this whole God thing. Maybe I, maybe I shouldn't even focus on that at all. You know, Proverbs chapter 23, verse 17 says this, do not let your heart envy sinners, but always be what? Be zealous. Let me hear you guys. Be what? Zealous. Be zealous. Come on, let's get some zeal in this place. <laughs> let's be zealous for the fear of the Lord. See, the bottom line is, guys, you can make excuses or you can make a fire, but you can't do both. It's going to be one or the other. Make excuses or make a fire. And if you choose to make a fire, man... That's going to be something that's going to be something to behold. But how are you going to go about it? How are you going to do that? How are you going to build a fire for God? And how are you going to make it last? Because one of those things about being on fire for God is that sparks of inspiration come and go, don't they? Like They're not constant, right? They come and they go. And so how do you make the fire last? See, Luke tells us here in this narrative that the natives of the island started the fire. But Paul, he then goes around and starts collecting a bundle of sticks to add to that fire. And here, I think, is principle number two that we need to pay attention to. Something may ignite a fire in you, but it's up to you to feed that fire. 
Okay, something may happen that, that really kind of gets you fired up momentarily. Maybe it's a sermon like this one. Maybe it's, it's that you go to a conference or, or you go to a retreat or maybe you, um, you, you go to a special worship night or you spend uh, a half a day or a whole day just kind of retreating by yourself and just being with God or, or, or you do something and you serve somebody and it makes a huge difference in their life and you're excited about seeing what God did through you and you get excited about about it and you're, you're fired up. But, but then how do you keep that going? You see, the fire got lit, but if you don't feed the fire, what's going to happen to it? It's going to die, right? It's going to go out. And so if you want to live on fire, you have to feed the fire. Amen? If you want to live on fire, you've got to what? Feed the fire, that's right. And so uh, that means that you've got a bundle of sticks to gather. You got a bundle of sticks that you need to gather. And we're gonna talk a little bit more as we go through this month about what those sticks are. But but you need the stick of the word of God in your life on a regular basis. You need the stick of spending time with God in prayer. And I'm not just talking about, you know, a, a prayer at mealtime or, you know, a, a quick you know, petition here and there, but I'm talking about really spending time with him. You're going to need the stick of, of serving God, serving others. You're going to need the stick of, of practicing simplicity and generosity in your life. And there's others as well, but those are just a few of those sticks that you're going to have to put on that fire again and again and again if you want to keep that fire lit and growing. Now, chances are you probably know what the sticks are. <laughs> You know, you probably know, don't you? You know what the sticks are. You just need to start collecting them and putting them on the fire day after day, one at a time. Just keep putting them on the fire. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5 and following says this. It says, for this very reason, make every effort to do what? To add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and in mutual affection love what is he saying he's saying keep adding sticks to the fire keep adding sticks to the fire of your faith if you don't it's going to what go out right now, something really interesting happens next in Luke's account of this stormy night on the island. A viper slithered out from around the fire and latches onto Paul's hand. And, and you know, it, it doesn't just bite him and retract like snakes usually do. It, it bites and holds on. And Paul shook off the, the, the snake into the fire where it presumably died. And so here, I think, is... A third principle for us in trying to build a fire in our lives, and that is a fire will instigate spiritual attacks, but also destroy them. Okay? A fire is going to instigate spiritual attacks in your life, but it's also going to destroy those same attacks. So this viper, this viper was reacting. The viper was reacting to the heat of the fire. It didn't like the heat. And so it, it, it caused the viper to come out of hiding, and it bit the man who was adding fuel to the fire. 
bit his hand, right? So when you start building the fire in your heart, in your life for God, the spiritual attacks are going to come. Just like the rain's going to come. The spiritual attacks are going to come. And it's surprising that, that even the temptations in your life often will get stronger when you start building your fire for the Lord, which I think really often catches us off guard because we, we expect the opposite to happen. You know, when you're, when you're really living your life for the Lord and you're passionately seeking him, you, you expect that temptations are actually going to get weaker. But very often the opposite happens and they actually get stronger. Because why? Because Satan doesn't go down quietly. And he doesn't like the fact that you're heating up. That bothers him. It makes him uncomfortable to be in your life when you're heating up for God. And so what is he going to do? He's going to come out and he's going to attack. And, and, and so it forces him out of hiding. It forces him out of the shadows of our lives. It forces him out of the dark places where he's been quietly and subtly doing his thing without us noticing very much. See, and, and, and then he comes out into the open and the attacks become much more obvious. And, and often you'll find when, when this is happening that, that some sin has attached itself to you and it's not letting go. You know, just like this viper on Paul's hand. And, and no matter how many times you repent, and no, no matter how many times you ask God to forgive you, and no matter how many times you say, you know, I'm done with this thing, it happens again. And it just, it just never seems to let go. And, and when that happens, you can start to doubt your relationship with God. And you can start to feel unworthy to be in a relationship with him and, and, and to be used by God. And that's exactly what Satan's banking on. He wants you to feel like a failure. Jesus said Satan is a liar and the father of lies. And so that's exactly what he's going to try to do in your life. He wants you to feel like a fraud. And, and, and so he wants to put your fire out. But here's the good news. The good news is it's the same fire that draws Satan out and brings on his attacks will also destroy his power in your life. See, Jesus said in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions. And to what? And to overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. See, this was a venomous snake that attached itself to Paul's hand. And yet he just shook it off into the fire and, and it died. And, and the natives were kept watching him, Luke tells us. The, the natives were like checking out Paul. They were, they were expecting any minute he was going to start swelling up and keel over dead. Why? Probably because they had seen it happen before. You know, they knew their island. They knew the snakes that lived on their island. They'd probably seen friends and relatives of theirs get bitten by this kind of snake. And they knew what happened. But it didn't happen to Paul. And Paul, he has no ill effects, Paul says. It's like, it's just, it didn't hurt him at all. And, and that's because, why? He's under God's protection. And so there's no spiritual attack of Satan that's going to defeat him. There's nothing that's going to stop him from accomplishing what God wants him to accomplish. There's no way that, that Satan's attack is going to prevail in his life. And it... His attacks are not going to prevail in your life either. 
See, I don't think it was any coincidence that the viper attached itself to Paul's hand. See, see, Satan wanted to stop Paul from doing the good that God had brought him to this island to do. You know, this was like a little detour. God's like, yeah, I'm taking you to Rome and you're going to testify before Caesar about me. But first, Paul, there's a little, I got a little side project for you over here on this island called Malta. And, and, and Satan knew that Paul was there for a reason. He knew he was there to do the will of God. And so what happens? He attacks his hand. And notice this, what happens in the very next scene? Verse 7. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. He welcomed us to his home and showed us generous, uh, generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to see him and after prayer placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. I bet they did. Do you see the irony of that? The same hand that the viper attacked, God used to bring healing to people in the name of Jesus Christ. See, Satan will attack you in the very thing that God most wants to use you. He'll attack you in the very thing God most wants to use you. And God can turn those attacks around and turn them into ministry opportunities when you have the fire in your life, when you have the fire in your heart to put those things out and to conquer those attacks. See, instead of letting Satan's attacks cause you to back off, you know, and to shrink back in your relationship with God, instead of letting the, the attacks of Satan cool your fire down and, and maybe even put it out into some kind of apathetic, kind of half-hearted Christianity, do the exact opposite. Feed your fire with even more of God. Shake that sin off, you know, and shake it off into the fire that you're burning in your, in your heart for the Lord and, and watch it shrivel up and die. I've got a Taylor Swift song going through my head right now. <laughs> shake it off. Just shake it off, right? But, but if you don't have that fire, okay, if you don't have that fire for God in your heart, you've got no defense, against the attacks. And that's why Paul urges us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 11, never be lacking in zeal. Never be lacking in zeal. Not just, you know, try to have zeal every now and then. Never be lacking in zeal. Why? Because you don't know when Satan's going to attack you. And if you don't have the fire, how are you going to defend yourself? How are you going to conquer that? How are you going to overcome? You've got to never be lacking in zeal. You've got to keep your spiritual fervor, he says, serving the Lord. And so you, you might say, well, Chris, I don't know. I mean, because if I don't have that fire, then maybe he won't attack me in the first place. Maybe it's actually safer to be lukewarm. But listen, guys, here's the thing. The viper was there all along. He was there. The threat was present. He was just in hiding. It was the fire that brought him out of hiding. See, Satan is having influence in your life. You just may not be aware of it. But if you get on fire for God, it's going to expose him. 
It's going to make him obvious, and you're going to begin to see what he's actually trying to do to you. And so that same fire that brings on the spiritual attack will also destroy it. You know, during my time here in Chapel Hill, I don't know that I've ever met anyone with a hotter fire for the Lord than Melanie Arizari. And it's so exciting because uh, Melanie is a young adult in her mid-20s, um, on fire for God at a time when so many other people her age are backsliding and their fires are going out. But instead, I, I see Melanie feeding her fire. I see her with, with just a determination to live her life for the Lord. It's so encouraging to me, Melanie, your life. I want you to know that. And I want to invite you up. Would you come up and, and, and welcome Melanie up? She's going to share something with you here. Come on up. Come on. Melanie's going to share with you a little bit about a very shaping experience that she had this past month. So tell us about it, Melanie. Yes. So hi, guys. As some of y'all may know, like I went to Singapore and Malaysia for two weeks. I went by myself. It was completely like the only explanation is God. Like that's all I can, like he gets all the glory. I was able to raise like all the money to go on the trip. It was basically fully funded and um, I was able to meet with different missionaries, uh, churches. I went to a youth conference there. I was able to pray over some youth. Um, and I went to a young adult camp and was able to kind of learn more about God and like how to experience him in mundane things. Um, I also experienced sharing the gospel for like, it's, it's weird to think of it because, you know, that's my whole mission field. But often we don't really like sit down and truly tell people about Jesus and like just his work that he's done. It's kind of, I don't know. So it was just amazing to like fully do that. But the biggest lesson I learned, because I know I'm a rambler, so I'm just going to get right to the main point. So that way, <laughs> um, any moment can be a moment to talk about Jesus. Like, it doesn't have to be in a church setting. It doesn't have to have, like, a, a certain thing going into it. Like, any moment is a moment to be on fire. And literally, like, you're taking the words, like, out of my mouth because, like, this sermon series, I'm pumped and excited for it as well because it's, fire is so important. And I think often it's, we want to do that passive evangelism when it's just, like, we this is a reason to live, you know? Um, so let me get into, you know, what excited me most about going on this trip, like I wanted to see God moving in a whole different place. I wanted to see him moving, like I, people are worshiping God in across the world, you know, and they're worshiping the same God that we worship. And I wanted to know if they face the same problems we do about reaching new people, about the different problems that we go through of just being a church. And so I wanted to see how like problems, similarities. I wanted to know what they were doing to overcome these issues. And so I was going to Singapore with the expectation and hope that God was going to show me what was going on and he did not fail. Um, and also quick plug for short-term mission trips. They are amazing. And I, there's no way that you can truly experience or know what people need in their lives if you're not there in the nitty gritty. Um, I was able to meet with certain people and have lunches and, 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 and obviously you know, all those pictures are with food. So, like, <laughs> so it was awesome to be able to meet with these people and talk with them and like, Hey, like what is truly bothering you guys about what's going on in Singapore? Like what is, where's your heart for God? How can I truly pray for your church? And their biggest problem is that they have churches there, but it's 
lukewarm churches. It's churches of, there's so many like religions and temples there and it's the common thing is to be Muslim. And so to tell people about Jesus is completely like, you know, you just don't do that. Like you wait until they walk through the door. You wait until they want to ask questions. To share the gospel is something so foreign to them. Um, And so when I was there, literally like kind of with the service, like I got fired up. Every day was a joyous day. And like similar to what Chris was just saying earlier, like if you don't maintain those spiritual disciplines, if you're not kind of spending time in scripture and in the word and just like things will attack you. There was for sure things there that probably were trying to attack me, but because I woke up every day and I was like, this is for God. And I just woke up more joyful. I woke up more excited to talk to people. Um, I was just so fired up to meet people who were also willing to risk their lives for the gospel. Um, So kind of quick, quick little lesson. Um, There in Malaysia, there's a law where you are not allowed to share the gospel with anyone who is Muslim. And if you do and you get caught, like you can go missing, things could happen. And especially like if you're a Muslim, like you and you convert to Christianity, you sacrifice a ton. You lose benefits for your family. You lose your citizenship. You are no longer considered like your own race of being Malay. And so to ask a Muslim to convert to Christianity, you're not only asking them to like lay, bear, like, lay down their cross, but it's completely like, crazy. And so missionaries there are there in Malaysia and I got to meet with them and like just hearing their passion and fire for God because you have to have a fire, especially in a place where the rest of the world is telling you to dim it out, where the rest of the location that you're at like doesn't want you to be there. And so like just talking to her, like I felt energized. I felt amazing. And um, it was just beautiful to see the work. There was also a speaker there that I met at the youth conference named Robbie Dawkins. He's doing um, mission work in Afghanistan. And he was sharing with the youth there about like, what's it mean to be on fire for God? In Afghanistan, you're not allowed to share the gospel. And so he was talking about all his drive-by prayer stuff that he would do because like if a police officer or somebody was walking up, he'd be able to drive off. And so like literally like overwhelming fire was just all in Singapore and the people that I met and like the work that he was doing of literally like praying over people and the Holy Spirit healing them and being able to see this on video and hear his testimony and the Holy Spirit coming down. Like it was amazing. And I was just fired up because I felt like there wasn't specific people. I think I was, it was everyone that I came into contact with that I was supposed to tell about Jesus. And I was so grateful. Um, there was a picture of like me, a girl and an older man. And I don't think that I would have experienced that if I like did a Zoom call or anything. I met those people organically there in Singapore and both of them are unbelievers. And the fact that I was fired up and encouraged enough to be able to like be bold in my faith and was like, cause the girl actually, she doesn't believe. And she was like, how could you believe in something that you can't even see? And I was like, well, let me tell you about Jesus Christ. And so like just being able to have that joy and fire of just like, it's not just something that I want to do on a Sunday morning. It's an everyday kind of faith in every moment. And so um, it was amazing. And especially at the youth conference, just being able to be there for the youth. And there was a girl who like confided in me and like the Holy Spirit kind of put it on my heart to pray um, over her. And she confided in me, you know, she had a bunch of suicide tendencies. And so just to be there and be an out 
pouring of God's love and learning from these people, it was amazing. So the main thing that God is up to in Singapore, I would say, is evangelism right now. They definitely need prayer about that. And God is using missionaries um, and his word to reach unreached people. These people know their Bible. And it's so, like, you can't know your Bible by just opening it up every other day and, like, reading, like, a verse. Like, it is intense studying and they're in love with God's scripture and I would want to strive to be that in love with God's word that I'm able to just say it naturally like a song lyric or even just like something of like my own personal life like and they are they don't just share their testimony of like this is who I was before Jesus and now after they were like no the fact that Jesus died on the cross for us that is enough And like, that is why I worship God. That is why I'm sharing the gospel and keeping that fire under them. Like, um, and especially because they're doing work with the Muslim population where a lot of people don't want to reach these unreached people. Um, They basically, it was, I was talking to some more missionaries there. It's Julie and her family who are there like living full time, like meeting with these people. And there's some Muslim converts to Christianity. And they were like, I would have converted sooner if someone just talked to me about it. But because everyone's too afraid of the laws and regulations, the, the, the cultural differences and everything like that, like there's just fear. And so they're, um, Julie and her family, they're doing work there to build up the church, to encourage them how to evangelize, how to talk to people about Jesus and have those conversations. Um, and so they go out like every other week, like two by two, and they just go and they have lunch with random people and they just sit down and they're like, hey, can I share the gospel with you? And so I was able to join them on one of those sharing things. And I was able to see it in the whole process of them talk to this lady who comes from a Muslim background. And like, they were just like, she's like depending on her good deeds and that's going to get her into heaven. And she was like, well, my, and the ladies I was with, they were like, well, our security is in Jesus Christ. And like, that is like, that's what gets me up. That's what gets me up in the morning. And so it was just amazing to be with these strong, like-minded people of faith. And, and so how did this trip change me? I guess I'm more on fire. And so like this sermon series came at a great time because I just feel more encouraged. And I just, this trip Actually, like in my notes before I even realized what sermon series this was, like I put this trip made me reflect on where is my fire? Um, Where where am I putting my hope? And like, where am I excited? Am I only excited about Jesus on a Sunday morning? Is that the only difference between me and an unbeliever that I go to church on Sunday? My life should be a constant reflection. And similar to Paul, like it shouldn't just be something that you do and you preach that it's naturally comes out of you because you naturally want to talk about something that is so amazing, that is so filled with joy and spirit. And so I I don't, and I also learned, like, I don't have to paint up the gospel. Like, these people, they were able to just open their Bible and just fall in love with the simple truth of it. And sometimes you don't have to paint up the word. The word is beautiful within itself. And you can speak on just that. So I'm more passionate about sharing the gospel and recognizing the importance to maintain these spiritual disciplines because that's the only thing that's going to keep the fire going. So I'm able to tell more people about Jesus. Um, and that we should be different. We're not of this world. And I met people who were different. They were different from the unbelievers that were there in Singapore. And you can see the fruits that they were bearing. You could see the joy that they had. And so walking in that fire means you can't help but share the good news. You can't help but spread love and tell other people about how amazing Jesus is. So it was amazing. If you guys have more specific questions, I could definitely talk to you more, but it was awesome. So thank you for letting me share.
Thank you for sharing, Melody. That was so great just to get to hear your enthusiasm about the trip and everything that God did um, in you and through you there. And um, by the way, I want to encourage you, if you haven't had the opportunity to do a short-term mission trip, to, to do that. And we'll be looking for opportunities to, uh, to promote those to you and give you that opportunity as, as we go on as a church and continue to develop our ministries. Um, but listen, I, I believe that you want to have a soul-filling relationship with Jesus. I really believe that you want to receive everything that he has for you. And, and that you want to attain and, and accomplish those purposes that he has in your life. And, and that you want his dream for you to be realized. And guys, if that's what you want, if, if that's what you desire, don't be content with a lukewarm religion. Don't be content with that. It will not get you there. Instead, I think the next step for us is very simple, and that is begin to feed your fire for Jesus. Begin to feed your fire for Jesus in every way you can. Remember, if you're going to live on fire, you've got to feed the fire, okay? I'm going to try that one more time. If you want to live on fire, you've got to feed the fire, okay? That's what I want you to walk away from here with. I don't want you to forget that. I want you to write it down. If you're going to live on fire, I've got to feed the fire. And so don't let this just be another Sunday, okay? Please, don't let this just be another sermon that you heard. Let this just be a spark, just a spark that ignites a fire that you can then begin to feed on a regular basis. I just want to ask you to build that fire, feed that fire, make it flaming hot. Just continue to grow that fire and keep feeding it day in and day out. What is it that you're going to pick up? What sticks do you need to pick up this week and begin to place on the fire of your relationship with God? And if you right now are a person who maybe you're sitting here and this has been a really hard sermon for you because right now you really feel like your fire has grown cold. Listen, it doesn't have to stay that way. You have every opportunity to change that and to begin to build a fire that's going to grow and begin to bless you and bless the people around you as you go through this new year. And listen, don't try to do this alone, by the way. Don't try to do it alone. You need people to do it with. But you also, most importantly, you need the Holy Spirit to be with you in this process. You need the Holy Spirit's fire in order to have a heart fire, okay? So you need to be asking the Holy Spirit to ignite that fire and burn that fire as you spend that time in the Word, as you spend that time in prayer. Maybe... It would be good for you to pray the prayer of David that he prayed in Psalm 51 when he prayed, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit.